This episode of Unthinkable is supported by Right Side Shirts, which takes art submitted by kids and turns it into all kinds of shirts and other accessories. They're wildly creative, remarkably well-made, and they help fund a great cause, supporting local art programs where it's needed most. So if you firmly believe that creativity is important in our world and in our schools, then learn more or start shopping at rightsideshirts.org. Oh, and just a quick announcement before we get started. One of our guests today, one of my personal favorite leaders and doers in the creative space, has a very big announcement that he makes right here on the show at the end. So don't miss that. Stick around to the very end. Sing in me, muse, and through me, tell the story. Of that man skilled in all ways of contending, that wanderer harried for years on end after he plundered the stronghold on the proud height of Troy. Muse, tell me of the man of many wiles, the man who wandered many paths of Tell exile. me, Muse, about the man of many turns, who many ways wandered. Sing to me of the man, Muse, the man of twists and turns, driven time and again off course, once he had plundered the hallowed heights of Troy. These are several different translations of the same opening lines of the Odyssey, the epic poem attributed to Homer. For thousands of years, people have called upon the muse, or any of the various nine muses, to help us be more creative. And that's exactly how many ancient works like the Odyssey open, with the poet invoking the muse as the true storyteller, or at least the spark of creativity. In every case, man is just the vessel. The muse, the divine, is the creative inspiration, the one who, according to some texts, actually holds the key to, quote, the good life. The muse is ancient, undying, and creatively unbounded, while us men and women are small and finite. So we call to her, we agonize over finding her, and we beg for her help and her inspiration brought down from on high by her. Because it's the muse who allows mere mortals like us to do our creative best. I think that's total crap. I think the muse has become an excuse for why we don't ship more and better work. It's why we think about doing stuff instead of actually doing stuff. It's why we don't change our own behavior or take concrete steps to getting new perspectives or learning new skills. It's not our call. It's not on us. We're just waiting for the muse to strike. The muse is an excuse. It's some kind of external, flighty, and unattainable thing which means that our creativity is not ours to control if we believe in that. But today, we learn why that idea is completely and utterly broken, and why you are in control of your creativity at all times. It's unthinkable. Welcome to Unthinkable, a show for people who value craft and creativity in the business world. I'm Jay Kunzo, and if you'll just bear with me, I'd like to read just one more translation of the Odyssey's opening lines. This one is from Stanley Lombardo, published in the year 2000. Speak memory of the cunning hero, the wanderer blown off course time and again after he plundered Troy's sacred heights. Speak memory. He doesn't say muse, he says memory. Now, this word, memory, can easily be shrugged off as a translation of the same idea of the muse in all the other readings I just did. 
And actually, according to some historians, one of the various muses was the embodiment of memory. But I can't help but take solace in that word memory if we take it at face value. Because, wait a second, memory isn't so unattainable or unnatural. It's something inside all of us. It's not so out there in the world. In fact, memories are shaped by our own experiences of the world. We all have that. We all experience things, whether they're simple or extreme, recurring or rare. This idea of memory being responsible for creative inspiration is very attainable, very universal. It's not the passionate invoking of the divine. It's a lot simpler than that. Perhaps the most simple thing that we do as humans. Some studies suggest that a person's first memories are formed when we're just three and a half years old. That's not so epic. That's not so divine. That's not so unattainable and external. It's simple. It's internal. It's within our control. The muse is often viewed as a big ephemeral idea. But if I'm here to say it's not some kind of deity, then what is it? It needs to be based in concrete and like real life things. You can't just be inspirational all the time. This is Elliot Bell, the director of marketing at a New York-based tech startup called, well, The Muse. The Muse offers content and other products and services to help people figure out their life's calling and improve their career path, whether it's just preparing for your next interview or rethinking your entire career. He says that they name the company The Muse because they do want others to be inspired by their work, but we can't lose sight of reality. I always joke internally with people like this, well, you can do anything you set your mind to. And like, well, that's kind of true. But like in reality, you can't just say like, oh, well, I want to be the next CEO of this company and like just, you know, snap your fingers and it's going to happen. You need these concrete things to actually, you know, figure that out. And sometimes it's like big idea, concrete things. And other times it's like, oh, man, I don't even know how to take the first step. Elliot says that taking the first step is definitely tricky sometimes, whether it's finding the right path for you, pursuing the right project, or shipping that next piece. But if it feels hard, if you feel frustrated, it's all a product of you feeling stuck. The majority of the people who come to the Muse for anything, whether that's coaching, to find a job, to get some you know, free advice, they're feeling stuck. And it's such like a nebulous term because it can mean so many things. Like, are you stuck that you don't know what to do next? Are you stuck in that you're, you know, you can't get a promotion? It's just this, it's a terrible feeling for a lot of people because most of us want to be moving forward. We want to be creating cool things. We want to be living our dreams. And the way to get unstuck is, in a word, perspective. You can gain perspective by seeking the advice of others, by doing some research, or just by going out and experiencing the world. That's step one, says Elliot. If you feel stuck and any kind of action feels too hard to do, go and get some perspective to better inform your actions. Yeah, and I, and I say like, it's so simple, step one. But like in reality, that first step is sometimes the hardest for so many people, especially because if you don't know what you want to do or you know what you want to do, but it seems so scary, um, that first step can actually be terrifying. And so a lot of times what we try and encourage people to do and what people end up finding is that whether, whether that first step is the right step or not, just taking a small action has a snowballing effect. Elliot is speaking from experience here as someone who's been through some career upheaval himself. And at one point, he actually felt the need to go and call on some kind of false deity to tell him what to do. I had started at a company and felt like I really wanted to get into food and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to change careers and I wanted to go work at the Food Network. That was like my dream. And 
you know, I was working at a startup and there was no connection between the two. And it was always like, well, how the hell am I going to do this? And what I was able to do is like, the very first thing I did was I just felt like I needed to talk to somebody who went to culinary school. I didn't care who it was. I just wanted to talk to them. And because that made it real for me, then, then, then I could even just say like, oh my God, you know what? Like from there, why don't I take a tour of a culinary school? And then from there, why don't I take a second tour of a culinary school and talk to more people? And these little steps added up to one bigger step where I ended up going to culinary school. And from culinary school, I was able to actually get a job at Iron Chef. Um, and so that very first conversation I had, it was a small coffee, and I'll never forget that coffee, you know, 15 minutes talking to someone who just said, yeah, you know, here's my experience. Um, and I think a lot of people will find just by doing those little talks, just by reading an article, um, it becomes this much more manageable process if you break it down into these little incremental things rather than one giant goal you have to accomplish. As an organization, the Muse believes in the power of those little manageable tasks, including meetings like Elliot had with folks who have done or are currently doing what you're exploring. In fact, they even launched an entire product just dedicated to receiving that kind of one-on-one -on -one personalized career counseling, a service called Coach Connect. We were getting thousands of emails and messages from our members saying like, I have this question and I was really hoping somebody could help me. And I know you have all these articles, but it doesn't really quite answer my very unique specific question because, I mean, as you know, like your career is like a very unique personal thing. Um, and so we were basically connecting people to coaches who write our articles or that we feel were trusted coaches. And it hit us one day that like, wow, there's just such a need for people to get this career help that is not accessible to many people in a really trusted and easy to use way. So they launched Coach Connect in late 2015 to help people declutter their thoughts to overcome tough career challenges. Whether the coach brings a brand new insight into their lives with something from their own experience or just helps them unpack their internal thoughts, which, let's be serious, can get pretty tangled in today's world. I mean, I think we're stimulated to such a degree where it's hard to even know, like, what it is you want because you could see 15 different things in a day that all seem really cool and you know we're inundated with people who are successful people that are doing better than you um pe you know it's it's you even compare yourself to people you know and all of that is just it's hard to break through all that noise and for a lot of us and a lot of people um you, there's this idea that like you should have it figured out and in reality most people do not have it figured out. Even the ones who seemingly have it figured out do not have it figured out. The Muse, as an organization, operates in the real world. Others haven't figured it all out, leaving you to wonder why you haven't or even beat yourself up inside. That's not the case, that's not reality. And when we say we need to go and find our Muse, as in the deity, the inspiration, all we're really trying to say to ourselves is, we need to go and get some perspective on things. But that doesn't come from some lightning strike moment. It comes from the real world. So as Elliot told us, it can happen simply by reading an article, or getting coffee, or finding a coach or a mentor. It can be those little steps that provide very meaningful inspiration. But okay, if the muse is really just about getting perspective from the real world around us, does that mean we need to pack our world full of all kinds of crazy inspirational experiences? I rely on action to sort of create a muse. This is Chase Jarvis. And when he says he relies on action, that's an understatement. 
Chase is an award-winning photographer who travels all over the world, taking amazing photos of incredible places and famous celebrities and athletes. He's been hired by brands like Apple, Starbucks, and Nike, and he's even interviewed, photographed, and hung out with the likes of Mark Cuban, Serena Williams, Richard Branson, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss, Brene Brown, and Gary Vaynerchuk, just to name some on the list. Oh, and he can also be seen running the world's largest live streaming education company, Creative Live, the company that he co-founded and now leads as CEO. And if you're not already exhausted just from hearing that list, take a listen to his last five days. Yeah, so the last five days for me have been very deeply embedded in a, a sort of a top secret project that I've been working on for the past, uh, I would say, several months. Um, specifically, what I've been doing is is literally creating probably between four and six hours a day of a 12 to 15 hour day. The reality is that a lot of it's been administrative because that's the, the world that we live in these days. But it's been up early, focused with a small, really lightweight team here inside of Creative Live of producing not just uh, video content, but um, sort of a rich ecosystem that anyone in the world could tap into. That is involved editing video. It's involved writing. It's involved me speaking personally. It's involved me doing what you're doing right now, sitting down with people across the table and trying to sort of extract valuable information. And I look at all of those things as expressly creative. There's been a fair bit of travel <laughs> as well, which, you know, I guess I, the reason I want to acknowledge that is because these are things that typically people believe get in the way of what it is that, that I stand for as, create, as, as a founder of Creative Live and a lifelong artist. But I want to make sure that the folks at home know that, you know, those are actually also, if you think of them in the right context, they're opportunities to have an hour and a half or two and a half hours by yourself to focus on a project that you might not otherwise carve out time for when you can't be, you know, beaten up on your, your phone or your email or whatever, a little bit of private time there. So it's been a really, it's been a whirlwind the last five days. That whirlwind included flying from his home in Seattle, where Creative Live is also headquartered, to San Francisco, where they have a second office. Then it was on to Tahoe to shoot a live action sports photo course with Red Bull. Then he grabbed the rental car to Reno to catch a flight to Denver. Then it was on to DC, where he met a bunch of YouTube stars at the White House. And there, he got to meet Vice President Joe Biden. So, if that idea of the muse, that creative inspiration we all seek, is about your experiences and your perspective on the world, then clearly, few among us experience things quite like Chase. But it's easy to hear all that and think, well, if I got to fly around the world to all these amazing places and amazing scenes, to do all these amazing projects and spend time with all these amazing people, I'd be more creative too. But when I asked Chase about that thinking, he said simply, well, that's not how creativity works. The way that we all have been trained to think about creativity is that it's reserved for a few people. It's uh, something that is you're anointed at birth or some, you know, through some magical experience that you had as a child. And just we know that not to be true. To show us what he meant, he shared a story from his childhood. I made my first film uh, around some, I think it was, I was either, I think I was seven, six, seven, um, yeah, somewhere in that, in that neighborhood, maybe eight at the most. For inspiration, he and a few of his friends didn't go traveling the world or meeting celebrities. They were six. They could barely take their bikes up the street alone. Instead, they just did what kids do. They hung out, they goofed off. And in this case, they just watched a movie together. 
the son of Zorro. Which is some horrible bee flick somewhere. And then we made our own script called The Sons, which was dramatically different than The Son of Zorro. This is The Sons of Zorro because there was three of us. Um, and we washed cars around the neighborhood and saved up money over the course of about, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks, I think, and uh, used the money that we'd got through through washing cars. And we hired one of our, one of the three of us brother, paid him, I think, a dollar or two bucks to film. And they basically shot a little two or three minute film. And we screened it. Then we went down to the corner store. We bought a bunch of candy and we bought it for 25 cents and we sold it for 50 cents. And we put on a production, we put on a, a screening for the neighborhood. Sold out show. I think we, you know, it was sold out was probably 25 people. But what we were really doing is we were doing what kids do, which it's very, very natural to lean in and, and to create the entrepreneurship aspect, like selling, char- charging for admissions. That might have been a little bit early for our time. But the point was what we were trying to do is make enough money so that we could make our next film. And the quality of the film is horrendous, but the spirit is gigantic. You can just see it. And it's a, it's a, it's a brutal, <laughs> it's, a, it's a brutal thing to watch, but a beautiful thing if you're a parent or you can understand what it's, uh, you have those memories as a kid, um, super early creativity. And again, the, the, I think the takeaway is this story is not unique. Everyone who's listening was, you know, recording things with their friends, you know, underneath the covers at night when you had or in your fort or whatever, when you had your friends over. And what is it that you can do to reawaken that childlike wonder in you? And this is not an impractical device. This is, you know, again, creativity. It, it makes for great scientists. It makes for great computer programmers. It's not something that's reserved for just a few people. So I would encourage you to get in touch with that. Chase says that the reason we have to try so hard to get back in touch with that feeling, that ability to find creative inspiration in the basic stuff, is due to a broken system that we all grow up in. If you today stand up in front of a, uh, a room full of kids and you say, all right, who wants to come up on the, you know, up to the front of the room and draw me a picture? Who, who can sing me a little note? Every kid will raise their hand or 90% of the kids will be like, ooh, ooh, ooh me, me, me. So it's critical to understand that this creativity is absolutely innate in us and through conditioning, through negative conditioning and through um, our cultural sort of grindstone, we, we, we tear that out of kids. And because of that grindstone and that system, because we get that pure, unbridled creativity squashed or even destroyed as we grow up, we believe that to be creative we need that big life full of travel and celebrities and all that stuff. Because what should be so simple, the impulse to create, has become so bizarrely difficult. But when you're a kid, even the most mundane, basic thing in the world can inspire a ton of creative action. Like, say, watching a crappy movie at home with your friends. Contrary to popular belief that that uh, exciting or very full life, it often actually gets in the way of creating and at the at, at the end of the day where I get most of my work done is in the quiet. And so whether you have kids, you have a job that you that you work, you know, 10 and 10 plus hours a day, it comes down to priorities. And if prioritizing your life doesn't include that thing that actually is what makes us fundamentally human is our ability to create. And again, creativity can mean 
it just means making something out of nothing or and ideally that thing has value then you actually have to put it on your calendar you have to you have to make it uh, a part of your so to say daily routine and in many cases those folks who have maybe a more constrained environment are actually at an advantage but what's what, what is no mystery is that if you don't actually care about it or decide to prioritize it in your life, it's certainly not going to happen because, it, you know, n no more than just being 10% body fat or landing the salary that you want or whatever, that doesn't happen accidentally. I'm a big believer in intention. But too often, that intention isn't there. Chase says that if we want to start controlling our own personal creativity and be our own muses, so to speak, it has to be something that we prioritize and actually schedule. There's so much day-to-day -day inbound that pollutes our brain and our inbox. Um, and you know, I've been an advocate for a long time of trying to carve out some time for, uh, for the things that actually matter in your life. Because if you don't write your own script, someone else will surely write it for you. This might be weird for some people to hear since regiments and calendars are so often countercultural to being, quote, creative. Now, I know lots of you are listening to this from the marketing world or the business world, and so maybe calendars and schedules aren't so scary. But even still, look at your own personal schedule. How much meeting time is on there? How much call time? Now how much time is scheduled specifically to create? I think of it in two ways. One is the one of the reasons that people, I feel like, pay attention to the creative work that I do, the businesses I build, is because I'm good at doing those things. And if I was a good emailer, they wouldn't care about me. <laughs> or if I was a good uh, robot, they wouldn't care so much about paying attention to what it is that I do. So I try and prioritize the things that I feel like I was put on this earth to do. And I want to lean into my strengths rather than necessarily try and fix my weaknesses. Um, but the flip side of that is, in an ironic twist, I used to resist schedules with all of my might. I felt like it was the man trying to keep me down and that I'm a creative or I'm in, how am I supposed to innovate and, and, you know, do all this game changing stuff if I'm, I'm locked into some schedule. And the reality is what, what creating a schedule has done for me over the last, I'd say five years relative to the previous 10 is I'm way more effective and notice I'm not saying efficient because efficiency is for robots and machines. Effective is working on the right things. And when you, I put things like that on my schedule, the right things get done. And uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you sit down to do a, a task that is sort of something that you do every day, week or whatever. I carve time out for myself to write. I carve time out for myself to take pictures as a sort of a break from a lot of the other things. But it's on my calendar. Seriously, take out your calendar right now. What kinds of things are listed? Reactive work? Mundane tasks? Stuff you got pulled into? Chase says that's no way to push yourself creatively. I put it on par with how important is your personal health? How important it is for you to make? Because remember, there's creativity with that small c, but there's creativity like you're creating your life. And the life is not necessarily one that needs to be sort of full of traveling the world over but you have to actually take control of the things that matter to you. And so if writing a script for your life is important, then it really deserves, um, I would say, actually a disproportionate amount of time, especially relative to how, how much 
time most people allocate to that kind of stuff. You know, that part of you that you're trying to develop that next chapter is certainly it's you're certainly aware of it right now. What can you do to sort of unearth it and uncover it? My guess is that's going to be in the hours where you're not at work or not with your family and give up the next series of lost or whatever bullshit television series you're watching. Take that 20 hours of that season and put it toward the thing that you care about. We all have the same amount of time. It's not about our nine to five. It's about asking what we're doing with our five to nine. According to some reports, by the year 2020, 40% of the American workforce will have some kind of side gig. And if you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, but I barely have time for my nine to five and XYZ other things. Remember, it's not like you're adding in a brand new project that's fully formed. This is about starting small with small moments of tinkering, with small moments of uh, not thinking about doing stuff, but actually doing stuff. And we do have time for that. If you want sort of more creativity, or we can even use the word innovation, if you want more of that in your life, you need to actually cultivate that. And, and it's not something that's out there in the world. It's something that's in there. Whatever made you weird and quirky as a kid, or whatever, you know, when I talk to entrepreneurs, what kind of business should I build? You should scratch your own itch. And, and all of that stuff is very internally motivated uh, and it comes about through actually reserving time in the same way that you reserve time to, say, meditate or go to the gym. Um, reserve even just five minutes to do something intentionally creative. And that will, like, literally the science um, is in, indubitable that creativity begets creativity. So um, stop looking externally, start looking internally and put it on your calendar and you'll be surprised. It's going to permeate your life in a lot of really interesting ways. The same time you spend just staring at some mindless TV show that you're not sure you totally like just yet, you can use that time to tinker on something on the side. The same time you spend walking to the fridge to get a snack, then checking your phone because it buzzed, then answering that email, then checking Facebook, then answering another email, then checking Facebook again because who knows, maybe something changed, all before realizing, wait a second, I haven't looked inside the fridge yet? Yeah, we can use that time to tinker on the side, to do stuff, not think about doing stuff, not waste time doing nothing, to do stuff, to create. Is it hard? Maybe, but if we honestly want to be more creative and lead a more fulfilling career and life, then no, it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, look, you're already listening to this podcast, hopefully every week, and so you clearly do think this stuff is all worth it, right? Well, the good news is it's not only worth it, it's in your total control. And that's a much better reality to face than one where you need to call on some deity or go travel the world. Instead, you can just put it on your calendar. Too often, we play the waiting game without scheduling the time or the place. As individuals, we wait for the muse to strike. We wait for the right time to go and execute. We wait. But for what? Nothing's coming. It's all within us, remember? Society waits too. We wait for the next Chase Jarvis, the next Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin, or Elon Musk. We wait for creative geniuses to come along and solve meaningful problems that require creative solutions. And that's creative with a capital C, to use Chase's phrasing. So what's wrong with not only individuals, but all of society waiting around for creative geniuses to appear? Oh, man, I don't know how much time we got on the show here, but it's broken in so many ways. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that because this is a perfect segue into something that I've been working really hard on for the last 
several years uh, conceptually, but specifically the last several months. And that's a, a, a project here at Creative Live called 30 Days of Genius. That you mentioned genius and you mentioned these sort of conventional or unconventional people and how do we see them and where do they get their inspiration. And that's you know, part of my um, instincts and interests as, uh, as a creator myself or as someone who wanted really to make a change in their life. Because remember, I was, I was bound for professional soccer at first, then medical school, then a PhD in philosophy. And I dropped out of all of those things to pursue my passion, which was a huge risk, I thought only to find out that, wow, there are so many people who were just like me and that felt trapped in that. Um, so one of the ways that, you know, now I'm, I'm decades beyond that, but uh, one of the ways that I've wanted to, to uh, learn more about not just how to continue to unlock that in myself, but how to empower others was to sit down and talk with a bunch of people who I found to be the most sort of creative um, most entrepreneurial, like biggest thought leaders of our time. And so that's what I've done over the past uh, two months. I've sat down with 30 uh, just absolute creative geniuses. I, I mentioned um, Richard Branson, for example. You mentioned Ariana Huffington, Jared Leto, Seth Godin, you said. Um, I sat down with these folks and whatever, 20, 26 or 27 other people and asked them what was it about what times in their life, what things, what, what was the inspiration for them to take, not their, not just their first step, but to when stuff got hard to take that next step. And I sat down with them and had a conversation, not dissimilar to your show here with just insane guests. And one of my favorite things was that they were so willing to do it. Basically, all these people that we know and admire and consider creative geniuses have been recording videos with Chase on how specifically they go about their days and worked through projects and challenges to become who we now revere. What projects worked and what didn't. Very high concept stuff and very tactical. What do you do with your kids, for example? How do you find the time without throwing money at it before you have it? All that stuff. And here's the thing. Very rarely did anyone even talk about a concept of a muse. It was basically very much about what we've talked about here today. But you get to hear it from these people who are the best in the world. And these will be people, absolute household names at one end of the spectrum, and some people you've never heard of that I dropped in there because they were incredibly inspirational to me or, or folks that I thought had lived a, a unique enough life that would be able to make an imprint on someone who might be paying attention's life. So all of these videos... 30 in total, form a free program called 30 Days of Genius with one idea at its core, make more geniuses. Or said another way, the muse is an excuse and we need to stop hoping to do stuff and start actually doing stuff. So how does it work? 30 Days of Genius is super simple. Go to creativelive.com slash 30 Days of Genius. There's a blue button right there. You just press that blue button, follow a prompt, and then we'll put one of these, um, these sessions in these interviews in your inbox every morning for the next 30 days. Um, and it's just the timing is super great for our show here. Um, it just just dropped today. That's Monday, April 25th. The launch day for this episode is also the launch day for this program. So if you're listening anytime in April, you can still sign up. You know, when you when you're you know sitting across from these people, you know, eyeball to eyeball, you get to see, you know, the sweat on their brow, the scars on their you know, on their hands and 
and wherever. This is not a mystery and it's very much about there being something inside of us and I'll use that word intuition that uh, that when you are in your sort of authentic self, when you are listening to that voice and when things become, you've all had this, we've all had those moments where life seems so effortless. And if you look at the, the set of conditions that was present then, you were leaning into something, you were doing the thing that you wanted to be doing at the time, not something that others told you you had to do. Because in the end, genius is a process, not a product. It's a way of life, not a life. It's clear to me that when you're in the presence of genius, that that genius did not come out fully formed. So, my challenge to you in the next week. First and foremost, visit creativelive.com slash 30 days of genius. I'm not getting any kind of sponsorship from this. I just got some behind the scenes information on the program. I already signed up and I think it's going to be great. Again, that's creativelive.com slash 30 days, three O days of genius. My second challenge is really more of a plea. Forget the muse. The muse is an excuse. Reject this idea that you need to go on some kind of vision quest just to be creatively inspired. It's all around us every day in the same things that we all experience. But it's about priorities. It's about scheduling. It's also about returning to that creative kid that we all were at some point and then actually reserving time and space in our lives for a few minutes a day or a few minutes a week just to make stuff. So screw you, Muse. I'm done calling on you to visit me like I'm some kind of weak, helpless creature. This is no longer about you. This is about me and my skills, my creativity, and my work. I am in control of this. Me, 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 myself, and I. Unthinkable is written and hosted by me, Jay Akunzo. This episode was produced by Chris Higgins and edited by Josh Cole. Theme music today is from Lord Tyler, son of Litwin. Be sure to head over to creativelive.com slash 30 days of genius. And while you're poking around the intertubes, go subscribe to our newsletter at unthinkable.fm. For my subscribers only, next week, I'm sharing a special snippet from Chase's interview that didn't make the final cut. Also, if you're listening to this further out after this initial week, don't worry. I share all kinds of extras and behind-the-scenes goodies from the show every week. Also, say hi to me on Twitter or go behind the scenes in making the show on Snapchat. Both handles are simply Akunzo. Special thanks this week to Right Side Shirts for supporting our show. All of us buy all kinds of goofy or cool-looking shirts and accessories all the time. Why not use those same dollars to still buy that stuff and help inspire more kids to be creative? Learn more at rightsideshirts.org. This was such a fun episode for me to make. I hope it was fun for you to hear. And if you just know one other person who would like this show, send them my way. I'm waiting here with open arms, and I'm going to stay like this 
until our next episode next week. So help. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jay Akunzo. Talk to you in a week. <laughs>